Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. First up, there was a really cool article from the folks over at Discord. So Discord, they're using Elixir internally. It's not the only technology they're using, but occasionally they had shared some little insights about what was going on internally at their company. And then it's been like a dry spell, right? We haven't really been hearing anything about what's going on internally until they recently just shared another post. And the post is called Max Journey, Pushing Discord's Limits with a Million Plus Online Users in a Single Server. If you've ever heard of Mid Journey, it's like a stable diffusion, very popular community kind of thing. And so their server, their Discord server for Mid Journey is over 10 million members that are part of that server. I think that's where this Max Journey idea comes from. So they shared that while Discord's user base has grown massively, just Discord across the board, then you also have individual communities which have grown quite a bit as well. And that's the Discord server. They also internally call them guilds. So mid-journey being like probably one of their largest at over 10 million members. So they talk about like some of the technical challenges, right? When you have a post that goes out that needs to be notified, you, you have to notify all the users of the server that there's a new post, especially if you do like an at everyone post, right? Where everyone's supposed to be notified and how it quadratically expands that it just becomes like billions of messages that you're having to send out. And then realizing, okay, this really isn't scalable. <laughs> we need to figure something else out. I mean, just just the list of users that are online, right? Just just the list. If they've partitioned their users into like separate mm-hmm. processes and they have to add at everybody, which by the way, don't do that, because like why? <laughs> but second, if they've partitioned their users, just just sending that big list of millions of users to each process, that's a big bit of binary that has to be copied to each process. So they talk about like, how do they, how do they optimize that? That's is part of the answer here, by the way. But, but yeah, even that had trade-offs, garbage collection. I don't really hear that being a big issue in Erlang too often. Right. It's not something that comes up very frequently. Yeah. When you have long running processes, then garbage collection does have to be run on them. Yeah. But normally if we're having very short processes, they just get garbage collected when they clean up and they're dead and they finish their work. Right. Yeah. It's a really interesting read. Totally recommend it. One of the interesting bits for me is they called out this open source project that they have called Manifold and it is on GitHub. And they talk about how they had to make some updates to it to help reach some of their goals. And Manifold is described as fast batch message passing between nodes for Erlang and Elixir. It's really cool, right? That Discord is one creating open source projects for some of these things like that, that aren't core to what they're trying to solve, right? Not to their business model or anything. And they're also open to talking about it and sharing it. I would love it if they shared these kinds of details more often, you know, not such long dry spells because they're operating at a scale that most of us never will, right? We will just never work on a project that has this kind of scale, and that's okay. We can still have a very successful business, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I mean, you keep on saying dry spell and just a like perspective. Their engineering team has a blog collection on their site and they do post there, but not all of it is about Elixir and Erlang. So this post is kind of a follow-up from a post that circulated, count with me here, 
six years ago. <laughs> they scaled Elixir to 5 million concurrent users and millions of events per second. So this is them following up on that architecture. So six years ago, they talked about Manifold and they had to update that to you know cope with this very large community. <laughs> but that was a really good blog post. They've got a couple in there peppered in, but yeah, it's I would love to see more. So hint, hint, Discord engineers, go go write about some Elixir. It's pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. One other thing I just wanted to call out. They said in this new Discord post, they talk about some of the ways they've scaled individual Discord servers from tens of thousands of concurrent users to approaching 2 million concurrent users in the past few years. So these are improvements. They're kind of batching up, right? All of these changes they've made over time and you know how they did presence notifications and then realizing we have users that have different security visibility permissions right so they shouldn't be notified of certain events and so maybe they introduced the idea of relay servers that could fan out some of these decisions and then the workload it's really cool how they also in this article talk about a few different debugging techniques that they use to identify where some of the bottlenecks were and these are just, you know, built-in beam things and like getting, asking a process, give me your stack trace and being able to do that on an automated basis over a period of time to just be able to understand where is this spending its time. There are some great little nuggets in there. So yeah, hopefully we'll see more of those kinds of things in the future too. All right, moving on. Chris Granger reflected in a video or in a conference talk really, but the video was released. It says a year in production with machine learning on the beam. If you're needing an introduction, you know, this is a very wide talk about how to essentially productionalize machine learning operations with Elixir and Phoenix and NX and Bumblebee and Axon and Onyx and all these words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a great talk to learn how Elixir and all the all these tools help break silos across the front end, the back end, how to organize your data. He talks about PG vector databases, ETL processes for figuring that stuff out, Elasticsearch, I think. Anyway, to ensure that startups and teams can innovate and iterate quickly across several domains. So anyway, just a really good talk. ElixirConf had some great machine learning talks that kind of introduced people to concepts. And Chris Granger gave one here at CodeBeam in, in Europe, and it was also really, really insightful. So if you're trying to catch up, that's a good one to go look at. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps. With many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app, and a powerful CLI, it's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. And next up, last week we talked about Bandit reaching 1.0, and Bandit steals another headline this week because Livebook had a PR that got merged in that was authored by Jose Valim, which moved Livebook to use Bandit as the server. And I think that's quite an endorsement and vote of confidence when you see something as prominent as Livebook itself saying, we're making this shift, we stamp our approval on it, and we're confident with this. Yep, that's a using it in production stamp of approval. So <laughs> once once everyone updates to their latest live books and any kinks are worked out, which I think most of them have been worked out at this point, everyone should have the confidence to say that Bandit is definitely 1.0 worthy. Yeah. And as people talked about this change, this PR, as an example of 
this being a way of upgrading a Phoenix app to use Bandit. It was also pointed out that we can run the mix phoenix.new, your, you know, my app, and dash dash adapter equal Bandit to start a new project using Bandit. And I didn't know that that adapter option existed. Yeah, uh, I didn't either. <laughs> it was added in Phoenix 178, so it is pretty recent. So heads up, quick aside, I did add this flag, this dash dash adapter flag to ElixirStream.dev, which hosts a tool called GenDiff, where you can just select your versions and your flags, and now including the adapter flag, and diff them. So that way, if you started your project a long time ago and you just want to keep updating to the new styles or see what difference it is, what do you need to do to adopt Bandit in your existing project, you can at least compare to what a new Phoenix project will generate for you. So that's what the uh, gen diff tool will do. So that's at elixirstream.dev and go dash dash adapter yourself over there to that site and see what difference it is. Spoiler, it's like two lines. Like, so it's, it's like super easy. <laughs> Jose's PR was more than two lines because they do some funky stuff <laughs> with their, their HTTP adapters, but for simple new Phoenix projects. Yeah. It's, it's like two lines. All right, moving on. If uh, anyone out there is using Open, which I bet you are, there is now another notifier in the works. We've got a link to it. It's Open Notifiers Phoenix. So currently, and when I say notifier, I mean notifier in the sense of like Open has to notify itself that things are done or ready or to pick up or whatever. It's kind of a core piece of how Open works. And currently, that notifier is Postgres powered by default with PG Notify, which is this Postgres function. But if you're wanting to use something like PG Bouncer, that's not going to work so well with PG Notify. So there's a new notifier powered by Phoenix PubSub, which will leverage the superpowers of OTP. So that's pretty cool. That opens up more options for complicated Postgres infrastructure kind of stuff, but also another good option in case you want to kind of tap into how things are working. And since Phoenix PubSub also has a pluggable backend for Redis, this also implies that Open can now use Redis as its notifier as well. So, hey, options are great. Glad to see it. And next up, there was a little tease on the LiveView native front. This was shared by Brian Cartarella, where he says, as we get closer to LiveView native version 0.2, we're also hard at work on building an amazing tutorial experience using LiveBook. Brooklyn Myers has been heading up this effort. And in this tweet, there's a little video that's attached that shows working in a LiveBook in code with an iOS phone simulator to the right. And as you're making changes in the code in your LiveBook, those changes are reflected in the simulator in the LiveBook native. And that's really cool. It's like high-end developer tooling, you know, like the kind of thing you might expect from Apple or someone who's really pushing their libraries. And just the fact that you're able to put that into LiveBook and have that linkage up work, that's really exciting. So I'm really looking forward to when we see more about this and actually landing in uh, some public release. Speaking of dockyard things, Brian Carterell also highlighted a lesser known feature of Beacon CMS. So recently we talked to Leandro from Dockyard to get more details about Beacon. I don't think we talked about this, so this is this is new to me too. The feature is called Variants. And so when you're editing a page, you can click on a Variants tab to get an infinite, you know, page variant testing with like custom render weights or something like that. Render weights being like 
we, we talk about AB testing, right? So you might have A, B, C, D, E, F, G pet testing, you know, you can keep <laughs> on going way out there if you, you want to get real ridiculous with it. But these custom render weights are like uh, 60% of the time render A, 40% of the time render B, 0% of the time because I didn't think ahead, <laughs> renders, render C. <laughs> so it could be interesting to test different versions of a page. It's a pretty common thing that marketing folks will do to test how something performs. So that way you have an idea of, well, what's going to work? That's pretty cool. That seems like a pretty mature feature to have in such an early project like Beacon CMS. So pretty cool. And last up, we just wanted to share that the Nerves Meetup is going to be back online. You can find it in meetup.com, and we have a link to the event in the show notes. It will be held November 29th. It is an online event. They are going to have Alex McLean doing a walkthrough of how Gridpoint is using Elixir and Nerves to deploy a state-of-the-art energy management platform. So it is held virtually, so anyone and everyone would be welcome. You just have to RSVP on the meetup.com website. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.